Hello, and welcome to the Devil in Disguise, Legends of Philadelphia. <laughs> We're your host. I'm Tony Bossanova Baby Trove. This is my schoolyard chum, Johnny Puppet on a String Zito. <laughs> Joining us in engineering duties is Brian Lovey Tender Beerman. I call you Lucky Charm. <laughs> you might be wondering, why do these guys thrust their hips so aggressively? Well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Zito and I have a lifestyle brand, South Fellini, that focuses on Philly culture and in-jokes and comfort and podcast and hound dog. <laughs> Lots of times, customers will ask, was Graceland decorated by a South Philly Nona? Or do they want to know the best bread for peanut butter and banana sandwiches? So we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for the new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. Peanut butter and um, banana sandwich. On a, sounds, on a, it sounds pretty good, honestly. On a, on a, on a and you kasha it, roll, right? on a kasha roll, on a sarcone roll. Ooh, I, I'm yeah, going to go with the kasha, but that's a good one, yeah. That sounds pretty good. That does sound pretty good. All right. All right, we'll do it. Guess what we got. <laughs> well, it's one for the money, two for the show. Thursdays through Sunday, we're open 12 to 5. Curbside pickup. That's what it says. That's what it says. Just, it rolls it? off the tongue. That's like a great ad. I don't this know. Shit. It's a free podcast. For Beerman, free what, what else do you want? You're, it's a. I didn't charge South Lenny for that ad. I just <laughs> popped it off. Those were the original lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about we're talking about Elvis. Everyone's we're hyped on big Elvis. on Elvis. Everyone in the whole world is hyped on Elvis right now. Uh, Everybody Zito knows talks to El- talks about Elvis nonstop. Everybody I know. <laughs> Everybody's either hang talks it to all the time. T- talks about Elvis nonstop. Even his dog. <laughs> Even his dog. Uh, Ziggy's more of a Roy Orbison fan, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> even he had a better voice. That's <laughs> that's what she says too. Operatic. Even Elvis would say that. Even Elvis would say that. Everyone is uh, hype on the new Elvis movie starring Tom Hanks, directed by Baz Luhrmann. Uh, a plot point in that movie <laughs> Tom is Hanks that is Elvis, Elvis never told. Tom Hanks as Elvis. <laughs> Tom Hanks is Elvis. Well, my favorite character in the movie was Colonel Tom Parker. So in my, I think Tom Hanks was the star of the movie. I don't even remember the name of the kid who played Elvis. What's he? Austin Butler. He did a phenomenal job. He's yeah, he listening. Okay I told him to listen today. You told him uh, you, you dropped his name, so he, he listened. Yeah, it's the only reason anybody ever listens. You, you know, you're you're a Colonel fan. You're not you're not an Elvis fan. I'm a Colonel Tom Parker fan. A plot point of the new movie is that Elvis never toured overseas. He did crisscross the United States several times, though, and that got us thinking about Elvis in Philadelphia. The king of rock and roll played shows in town during the '50s and then returned again in the '70s. So we thought it might be fun to take a walk on Broad Street in blue suede shoes. Oh, uh, I got dog. I got dog shit on my blue suede shoes. <laughs> People will pick up after their dogs. All right. It's, or in here on the script, it says, now go ahead and talk about how much you two love Elvis. <laughs> yeah. It's, now, it even in the that. script, there's, right, there, right, there's right. like no, passive aggressiveness. Passive aggressiveness. No, no. That's just. <laughs> go the, ahead. Okay, the, okay. We all watched the movie. We all, it's not a spoiler alert. Not a spoiler alert. We all, we all know how it ends. <laughs> I did, write that. did you cry when you watched the Elvis movie? Yes, of course I did. Yeah. Beerman, 50 50. Zito, probably not. I got a little lump in my throat when, Zito ever when, when Colonel Tom Parker was dying at the end. I got a little lump in my throat. <laughs> you died. The evil guy. He's the the fucking evil guy. How is you he cry evil? When, you cry when Darth Vader dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
He's the only he's the only one in the movie who really cares about Elvis. He's Elvis's partner. What and, are you talking about? Him and what Elvis is such bullshit. A, him and Elvis wait, take we everybody never for did a tour ride. Europe. Now I think about it. <laughs> Why did South Philly ever tour Europe? <laughs> this I don't have a passport. Come together. You don't have a passport. <laughs> You're not even a colonel. <laughs> <laughs> He's a rear admiral this whole time. <laughs> You're not even a real Kentucky colonel. Where are you from? <laughs> colonel Zito. <laughs> she liked the colonel. <laughs> I've been like insane about El- like I talk about like like overdoing it when we do a podcast about something. I have been like, uh, I got mad at my Spotify because I typed in Elvis and it suggested Elvis Costello, and I was like, get, I was like, get this nerd Elvis out of my face, nerd Elvis, get him out of. I don't want to see him anywhere around here. Right, <laughs> in his defense, though, he's pretty good. Though. No, I love Elvis Costello, but just not right now. I'm not, <laughs> not in the right mood now. for it. The real Elvis. The real yeah, Elvis. Get a Baz Luhrmann movie made about you, Elvis Costello. Then we'll talk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Until then, just sit down. I don't want Spotify. I don't want anything to do with Elvis Costello for another week or so. <laughs> Peace, love, and understanding. It is very. It is funny. It is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. I'll, I'll say, say it. it. It's funny. I laugh at peace and love. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, yeah, I grew up. Uh, my whole family loved Elvis, so that was like my first memory. I think is listening to in the ghetto in my house. That's the farthest back I can remember. And then when I was a kid, uh, my mom made me. Um, I was Elvis for Halloween, and she made me uh, uh, this one of his suits from the seventies. I was also Elvis for Halloween when I was a little boy. Yeah, we got to post the pictures and, and who who wore it better? Who wore it better? I was I was an Elvis sighting. I wasn't Elvis. I was like like a guy who looks like Elvis who was just like at Acme. <laughs> just no, I'm not him. like why I'm is this guy? Him. Why is everybody looking at me? And it's like oh, this guy's Elvis. That's not the only time you've dressed up as Elvis for Halloween either. I mean, you've I, I, in the time I've known you, which is oh yeah, I was zombie Elvis <laughs> that one year we went. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Unbelievable. I just forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I had a, that was a fun night. That was a fun and night. I, I mean, I think I'm pretty <laughs> sure you snuck Elvis into your high school yearbook, too. Didn't you have like an Elvis cutout or an Elvis head? That Look, you I, I've been Elvis. I've Yeah, I've, I've been an Elvis fan my whole life. I'm just like Beerman. I've like dressed <laughs> up as Elvis. I've sang. At I, I've, I have bombed Elvis karaoke at Ray's Happy Birthday Bar, <laughs> as you re- might remember. <laughs> as, well, as the patrons, many people as remember. Every patron of Ray's might remember. <laughs> I'm still banned. From do that. not serve. Do not let this man. <laughs> do not serve this boy. <laughs> do not serve this boy. I don't. And then, like, I, I, I even love Andy Kaufman, who loves Elvis. Like, I love everything Elvis. We went to Graceland. I went there twice. That's right. We did go to Graceland. It was closed. I don't know. There's something about it. There's <laughs> something about, I don't when I tell people I love Elvis. They're like, you know, he's a creep. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 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 that is. Uh, should we just get that up front? Everyone, I don't know. Well, he, I mean, he, it's he, like, he, look, when you like, when you're like a fan of someone who's like a creep, like it definitely. The f- people always want to take you down a notch when you say you like something, <laughs> like in any, in any, in anything, you know. So it's like, I don't know. Oh, you like this? Oh, you know that? It's like, yeah, I know. I was a creep. John Lennon beat up his wife, you know. I was, I don't know. It's like they always hear they're all scumbags. Everyone you look up to secretly is a piece of shit. That's what I've learned. I feel like the people in show business are. 
Yeah, and especially that's back then. That's why we got out. That's why we got out. We're better than especially that. Especially back then. That's why we got so out. To be a fan of somebody. Yeah, back then. Yeah, back then. Good thing they clean. Good thing they cleaned up their act. But also, like, yeah, Elvis is a great singer, but, you know, he also, like, Priscilla was 14 when they were hooking up, and it, it, there's no way to. I don't know. Well, I did like it. I think it's one of the, my favorite music movies I've, I've ever seen. Oh, uh, I had a lot of problems with it. Because they made up a lot of shit. Problem. Wait, you, my problem is, is you, Beerman. My problem is too short. Three hours, <laughs> six hours. Part, part one, one, part two. Part two. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't eat peanut butter and, and sandwich once in the movie. They they definitely, they, they did a lot of young Elvis, not a lot of old fat Elvis. They kind of like fast forwarded through that stuff. We didn't get a lot of the. Well, the actor is like young yeah, and yeah. skinny, not old and not not in his. I mean, not my age and fat. Chris, my age, <laughs> not middle aged and fat. That's what always gets me. I'm like, oh, old fat Elvis. I'm like, wait a second. He's not that old. Yeah. I'm not, he's, he's not. He's the movie definitely makes yeah. you realize that. Oh, that's how he got. It happened to look pretty like fast. That. Yeah. It happened fast. It's so wild. Yeah. Do you guys? Uh, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the. Mm-mm. We're gonna talk this, about uh, this podcast is about Elvis. young Elvis. What did Elvis eat when he came to Philadelphia? Well. Um, I mean, prob- pickles. Pickles. Sure. There was a pickle licking contest. <laughs> no. And he cleaned up. So I was in Acme, and I ran into Jerry Blavitt. The, Jer- the Jerry Blavitt. He was he was buying he was he buying gun? fruit. Uh-huh. He was trying to find the perfect avocado, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Excuse me." I was like, we're doing an episode. He knew he was like Legends of Philadelphia, right? And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, He's a of fan. Of course. And, he subscribes. Uh, he, He's a fan. He's obviously. A listener. Obviously. But uh, so I, I was talking. I told him we did an Elvis episode. And he gave me. He was like, Elvis actually wrote. He did a bunch of Philly song titles. He wrote a bunch of Elvis. He wrote Elvis. a bunch of. He, from his time in Philly. And he gave me a list of. So these are all Elvis in Philly song titles. Always on my mind. <laughs> Kissing cuzzies. <laughs> Are you parking tonight? <laughs> Blue Root of Kentucky. <laughs> Blue suede sandals. This one, I really had to work for this. So it's Bossa Villanova, baby. That's that's. That, you know that's, that's not bad. That's, that's actually better. Than, that one's better than what we said that's before. That. Fifty million jet bags can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Bridge over troubled water. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of use, wonder of use, stuck on use. But I did. I want use. I need use. I love use. Oh, good one, good one. <laughs> this is about uh, skateboarding. Can I can't help falling in love park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hound dollar dog. <laughs> Roundhouse Rock, <laughs> Pencil Tucky Rain. <laughs> Let me be your Barbera Bear. <laughs> That's amazing that Elvis knew that the Barbera Bear. I know cut. Elvis. Wow. L- long, tall Sally Star. Nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. Mama liked Pete Roses. That's a deep cut. I don't know that There'll be peace song. in Del Valley. 
Uh, you sent me this one, Shrove. I came up with it also. You're the Jersey Devil in disguise. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And uh, the last one, this was uh, Elvis wrote this about the PPA. Suspicious finds. <laughs> <laughs> Could be about L and I, too. Amazing that. Thank you, Jerry Blavitt, for giving me those in Acme. What a, what a, what a nice fellow. What a nice man. Beerman, I'm looking at my text messages, and it's just like me and Beerman just sending each other nonstop Elvis songs. I, uh, yeah, my dad has been uh, doing that <laughs> also. And I just got the... the oh, Pocket Full of Rainbows. Elvis yeah, good book. One, good one. Oh, you came? Excellent. Well, this is part one. It's like 700 pages. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Oof. And then part two is like 900 pages. Beerman, you've been buying a lot of books for this podcast. Yeah. Can I write those off? No, because you didn't buy them before yeah, the podcast and it's research. <laughs> the government doesn't see podcasts as real work, so I can't write it off. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. My dad's texting me Elvis songs now. I can't listen to this right now. I can't listen to them right now. No. Well, we all know a baby boomer whose whole identity is wrapped up in Elvis nostalgia, but it wasn't always that way. In 1950, that's who's listening. Stop. In 1954, young Presley couldn't even get played on the radio in Philly. Letters from Sam Phillips, record producer at the Sun label, reveal that the old guard didn't want to play this teenager music. Elvis was 20 years old and burning up the scene in Memphis, Tennessee, but music moguls in the Northeast didn't think his style would sell in the rest of America. So Sam set to work sending a series of letters to industry bigwigs talking up their new artist and his bold sound. But his correspondence was met with lukewarm response. On November 4th, 1954, Sam Phillips wrote a particularly sharp letter to a record executive in Philadelphia and chastised him for not moving on Presley's songs. He wrote, quote, In the past few months, Sun has published a new artist who is creating a tremendous excitement. His name is Elvis Presley, and we sent you samples. There has been big movement on the single in virtually every market, and we regret that nothing has happened on it in your territory, end quote. So right off the bat, Philadelphia was like, no thanks. I mean, he was like, listen, I'm t- you, here's how you make money. I'm telling you what to do. And the guy was he like, we're, we're, we, have, we have plenty of Bill Haley to <laughs> fill, fill, people, <laughs> fill people's socks around here, okay? People still love that whiff and poof sound. <laughs> So uh, so these letters went on for auction a couple of years ago. Beerman found a website where they had been listed for 50,000 uh, pounds, and they were auctioned off. That was, that was That's really heavy. That <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they were auctioned off in London. <laughs> and uh, oh. I think they went for much more than that. I think it, the, the website said they went for around 180, but uh, they started off at 50,000. Damn. And I guess uh, Sam wrote similar letters to uh, different uh, radio stations and and uh, he was on a kick. music. He was on a kick. He was he had his typewriter and he was just like angrily pounding out those keys. Mm, dear Zito. Dear Zito. Play more Elvis in, in South Philly. <laughs> these people probably got so many letters from all these people. This guy's gonna be the next big thing, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, but like this was like <laughs> this person was right though. Uh, when looking this up, it kind of seemed like a lot of the there had been a lot of attempts at making the honky tonk uh, bluesy sound go mainstream before this. 
and it wasn't quite rock and roll yet, you know what I mean? So a lot of record producers or radio station managers kind of felt burned on this sound already. And uh, gospel was huge everywhere, coast to coast. So uh, you couldn't go wrong with just playing the hits and why take a risk uh, when you lost in the past? I mean, how many of these, like, how many white artists were playing black music in the early 50s? And then places not, radio stations not playing black music. Yeah. To begin with. Right, right. right. Yeah. I guess is why he, that's, this is why it worked. When Elvis finally did come to town April 5th and 6th in 1957 to play the arena at 45th and Market Street, he was not greeted warmly. A group of Penn students conspired to shave Elvis's famous head of hair before the performance. The That's Clippers, diabolical. Yeah. These guys are Penn students. Always the same, always will be. <laughs> <laughs> the Clippers syndicate met behind Houston Hall, just off 36th Street, a gang of 15 fraternity freshmen and their sister sorority co-conspirators. They were not fans of Elvis's rock and roll or swinging swagger. You know, I guess one thing I've been from like reading about him and just like, especially in his later years, which we'll get into, but it's just like people were like, like, you know, how people are really mean to like celebrities on Twitter and shit and people and everybody's just like, oh, people are so mean now. It's like everybody was just like look how fat elvis is now like like it was like that it was in the news like everybody was so mean to like you know this guy yeah. like uh yeah they really took him like, a task it's not a new thing human. people people these people were like let's cut his hair because we don't like his music yeah like <laughs> like like <laughs> you know like like this guy's just like trying to like sing songs and, and he, it's not a new thing if there was twitter back in the 50s elvis would get death threats and shit but he did get death threats. He always got death threats, and that is really. Yeah. Uh, That's why he started carrying a gun on his boot a on gun. stage. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Lewis tried to kill him. Jerry Lewis shot a gun at him. I think if Elvis had Twitter, he definitely he would have been a troll. He w- he would have given it as good as he got. He would have cursed people out. That's what I think. I don't know. I don't know. If Elvis was on Twitter. From the Daily News, quote, four students were to rent a room on the same floor as Elvis's hotel. Seven students would stage a mock riot to divert the attention of the hotel officials and any police assigned to guard the musician. The eight others planned wow. to pick the lock on Elvis's door or break it down. Four of the eight were described as husky lads. They planned to hold husky Elvis down. Lads. They plan to hold Elvis wow. down and, using sharp shears and clippers, make Elvis the latest convert to the Baldy craze. The phone would be ripped out and his clothes would be stolen to discourage pursuit. End quote. What the fuck? What the hell this is, is that? fucked up. Yo, I'm going to tell you something related to this in <laughs> the weirdest okay. way. Okay. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It's like being a, f- like, like they said, they were like, they booked like the room in the same floor. I have heard this about, Phil- about when he was in Philadelphia at another time. Uh, that he booked the Bellevue, and they booked the floors above him and below him. And oh, probably because uh, of this, you're saying. Because so this is like here's my here's like a here's like a deep a deep dive. Um, when I was getting my when I was learning to drive, I got a driving lesson from the like the guy who taught like everybody in South Philly to drive. Not one particular driving guy class. And he every, must be really bad at driving. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, tell you the truth, man, I uh, I definitely blew a stop sign, and I was like, "Come on!" And they're like, "All right." And, and he was and like, "That's stop. the way it's done. That's how it's done." But <laughs> he, so I'm in the car with him, and uh, uh, Roy Orbison comes on the radio, and he was like, "Do you know who said that? He's the best singer in the world." And I went, "Elvis Presley." And he went, "You like Elvis?" I was like, "Absolutely." And that's why I knew I was going to pass all of my. But he told me this story that he like loves Elvis and he told me he met Elvis when he was a kid and that his like his friend's mom worked at the Bellevue and they when they booked uh the hotel when he had the show in the seventies, I guess. And um he said it was, like the, it was like the best spread he had like ever seen in his life, uh like for food. I, you know, I asked him, What did Elvis eat? And uh he um and he said that he booked the floors above and below them be in f- because they were afraid that people were going to like get to the to him. Wow. And he's like Elvis was like very giving and like everyone just came and just like ate. But he was extra cautious <laughs> because of this thing that had happened the last time he came through town. I mean, maybe he did it in every town, but he definitely did that in Philadelphia the, the next time he came. And so now you have a driver's license because of that. All thanks to the king. <laughs> <laughs> when asked about the conspiracy later, Elvis said, quote, I read that and I don't see no point in it at all. They're college men supposed to be tomorrow's leaders. What are they trying to prove? End quote. Yeah. They're intimidated by your uh, by your swagger, Elvis. They they pretend they pretend like they don't like you, but they uh, they're actually intimidated by you. So they they wanted to tear you down. You know, they're there's a similar, similar story when the Beatles visited. They, they, the locals put them in a fish truck. and I mean, that's... Yeah, I wonder if this was just Philadelphia or this was like everywhere they went, you know, or it's these like early celebrities. Yeah, we've mentioned it a bunch of times. There's, yeah, there's no... This is the first time this is happening in the whole world. Somebody's getting internationally famous for, for, for singing songs instead of leading countries or, or being a great, you know, war hero or something. So it's a strange time. Like, how do you? Well, this guy's important for because he sings songs. Putting him in the back of a fish truck doesn't really se- sound like you know that big a deal. He, he's yeah. just he's just what important. Cicero, hold on, this is <laughs> yeah. This guy's singing. Eisenhower, come on. Elvis is Philadelphia. Eisenhower, the general, not the president. Not the president. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis's performance was being sponsored by Bandstand when it was still just a local program. Uh, Dick Clark had only just replaced local DJ Bob Horn as host of the live television show shot in Studio B at 46th and Market Street. They promoted the event on air and organized a contest for viewers to meet Elvis at the show at the arena. So they shot Bandstand at 46th and Market Street and they rented out the arena at 45th and Market Street to have their concert. Block away. A block away. Yeah, that's an ambitious uh, event. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, I mean, we, yeah, right? we haven't done an episode on American Bandstand. We've talked about it a bunch of times, referenced it in a bunch of episodes where we talked about music. But uh, it started as a local thing, just you know, blasted out to the Delaware Valley, and then after Elvis appeared on it, it got more notoriety. Or after Elvis played this show, it got more notoriety. I should say. Oh. Hmm. The show sounds amazing. Well, not really. Before Elvis performed to a half-filled 6,500-seat theater, he first faced hostile questions from a group of high school newspaper reporters. 
the sideburned singer wearing a big gold medallion, was interviewed by a dozen teenagers from the area ages 14 to 18. And there's no two ways about it. The youngsters gave him the business. Questions were quick and to the point. And uh, there was a, a, a list of these questions on a website that Bierman found. And here are a handful of excerpts that I pulled. Question. Do you think rock and roll is causing juvenile delinquency? Answer. No. Music can't do that. It's uh, from something else. If there's some riot or some trouble, rock and roll has nothing to do with it. Please, kids go to Newman. Elvis takes no responsibility for your delinquency. Uh, another question, when will you be drafted? How long will you serve? Answer, everyone thinks I've been drafted already, but I haven't. I've only passed the physical, but I'm not definitely going in. And if I do go in, I'll serve two years, but I'll continue making records. So I guess it was already, by this point on the radar, yeah. that he was going to be heading into the service. Maybe. And he did, yeah. Yeah, the draft was still a thing. Korea was being fought. Uh, the Korean War was being fought. So I guess there was an expectation for people to serve, for dudes to serve still. Mm -hmm. And then I found this question particularly interesting. What do you think about Calypso music? And this was obviously a touchy subject. Elvis looked back at one of his managers for permission to answer before he did. <laughs> Why? Why would like they, like it was asked as a touchy question? Yes. Answer. <laughs> Calypso's good. Who am I to say it's not? So I looked it up. I was like, why is why was why? this a question? This, was this this is the rise of anti-Calypso uh, uh, culture? Was there a Calypso riot? Was I made a Calypso <laughs> joke last week, just like apropos of nothing. So like it was like weird to run across this, and I was like, well, what does Calypso mean in the wider culture? I don't really understand. And I guess there was a blowback to Elvis Presley's music uh, by 1956. Mm -hmm. And those who found it crude and saw like it, it exuding this raw sexuality, uh, they, they found that it was aesthetically offensive. And so Calypso, which was like a marginal branch of third world music at the time, was in essence seized upon by these forces as an antidote to the obnoxious teen music that threatened to overwhelm the established culture and... Uh, they were like, we'll just play Calypso music, kids. Don't you like this Calypso music? It's so much better than Elvis, right? Right? And uh, <laughs> and I like Calypso music. That, well, but it's not, well, the, it's, not I don't the, it's like apples and oranges, you know? You the squares were holding up people like Harry Belafonte, and he was anointed the leader of this counterinsurgency, and he had first entered the U.S. singles charts oh, with the is that, ballad. Is it about Harry Belafonte? Is that what it's really about? I mean, he's like an outspoken... Civil like, rights leader. Person. Civil, like, rights, uh, uh, civil rights leader, yeah, yeah, great. Well, I think that these anti-Elvis forces tried to seize on that, and be, and it wasn't so much that they were genuinely interested in Harry Belafonte and his music and, and Calypso music in general. They were looking for some way to subvert the influence that Elvis and, and this, this, uh, this growing rock and roll movement was having on teenagers, and they thought a guy like Harry Belafonte, who was much more clean-cut, was something that they could get behind. It was a middle ground that they could that they could meet w with teenagers on, and like this is like that generation gap that people talk about. And uh, the craze lost its momentum, and uh, the hit records stopped coming. And Calypso quickly faded uh, back into commercial folk music, but was not a leading part of the culture. You know, so it's kind of just like they were using him. It's kind of like evidence as to them using him. And you know, something that jumps out at me is there's a there's a John Waters movie. 
I think it's Pink Flamingos, where they have a scene where like a bunch of teenagers are like, like, like uncool teenagers are singing uh, Harry Belafonte. And I never really understood why these uncool teenagers were singing cool guy Harry Belafonte's music. But I guess it's because at the time, in context, um, it, uh, or maybe it was Hairspray, I can't remember. But it, in context, it's like, that's what the nerds in the 1950s were listening to uh, because it was what adults were telling you was cool. It's the anti-Elvis. In this um, book, so the book is called uh, Last Train to Memphis, Peter Gorelnik. And uh, it has more questions. And this is from... Uh, in Philadelphia, speaking to a group of high school newspaper reporters, Elvis expressed suitable humility in the face of a flurry of not particularly respectful questions. Quote, is it true you can't get married before you're 23, that it's in your contract? What were his most memorable high school experiences, he was asked. When he didn't answer, the reporter persisted. Well, didn't you have any? What did he think of his first movie? It was pretty horrible. Acting's not something you learn overnight. I knew that picture was bad when it was completed. I'm my own worst quit critic. But my next, next picture is different. I know I've done a better job in it. And one of the future. Quote, I just take every day as it comes, Elvis told the teenage reporter who identified herself as Rochelle. I don't plan too far ahead. There'll be record albums, of course, and movies, too. Don't know anymore. Maybe I'll go back to driving a truck. Yeah, these kids are paying the ass. The Gretty Girls? Teenage girls wouldn't give somebody an attitude. Not known for that. In the auditorium, a disappointing crowd of about 2,300 was on hand for the first Philadelphia appearance of the singer. Elvis's tour covered eight cities, and the singer earned a flat $120,000 for the 10-day jaunt. Philadelphia was the first setback for his promoters, who racked up grosses of $41,000 for a night in Chicago, $53,000 for two shows in Detroit, and $28,000 for a single performance in St. Louis. What the Philly audience may have lacked in size, it more than made up for in noise and sustained frenzy. The star was on stage for 40 minutes, singing about a dozen of his hillbilly blues chants, and the bedlam never abated once. As he sang Love Me, girls throughout the arena stood up and stretched out their arms towards the stage. Elvis grinned and kept singing. Policemen stopped a few girls from rushing the stage on several occasions. One girl, in black slacks, bright red sweater, and a black leather motorcycle jacket, had to be led out after police couldn't stop her from rushing forward, arms outstretched. Some held their hands to the sides of their heads as though the ecstasy of seeing Elvis was sweetly painful. One girl stopped screaming, sat down, and wept quietly as Elvis concluded his concert with You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. There's a picture of the girl, of a girl in the audience, and like, she's like oh, yeah, on yeah. her tippy toes, like stretched. Her her back is like, it's, it's like, like she's like possessed. Like, like, like it's like yeah, a stance yeah, she looks like that's she needs like, an exorcist. you wouldn't be able to stand in this position. It looks so painful, but she was so like in a trance because of Elvis. I'm not into anything like that that much. Uh, that's not true. You like spicy food a lot. You like you're. I think that you could. I think you Woo! would get on your tippy yeah, toes right. for that. He's throwing his panties at spicy food. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm the chef at, at circles. Like, Sir, please stop. This is, this, is a, this is a health code violation. I'm coming home with you. <laughs> <laughs> There, there's no pepperoni in my house, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like it's it. 
<laughs> I feel like their lives were different after they saw Elvis. It was just like I'm a I'm a woman now. <laughs> I guess I look at things like that and I think how repressed they must have been in their lives up until that point that seeing the hooting and hollering of music on stage being performed like that made them burst out of their shells, made them behave Isn't in a the way first that time was you could be like that. You could not, where else? Yeah. It's yeah. You know, wild. it's another thing I didn't think of, but of just like, if you were gay, like how many people saw Elvis and they were like, oh, I'm gay <laughs> <laughs> and didn't realize it till right then. Well, you know, like that must have just been like, it was just like, oh, like I didn't ever like I learned something about myself. You know, it was such like a seeing him on TV was such like a like it was like such a huge they had to shoot him from the waist up because it was like, it was so like. I'm going to this Elvis concert. I hope it don't make me feel weird things. They're just like casually walking along doing their <laughs> old timey jobs. <laughs> you go back to work at the Navy Yard the next day. You're like, but I'm yeah, telling you, the, the way he moved his <laughs> hips, I never <laughs> seen anything like it. It's like it's Jesus Christ, Steve, <laughs> shut up! We heard you the first time. Sick of hearing about it. If you love him so much, why don't you marry him? That, that'd if be I crazy. Could, I would. That, why? That'd be. The level of security for Elvis was presidential. The police precautions were elaborate. Inspector Maurice Pilner had 65 traffic and highway patrolmen on hand. Captain Harry Fox of the Juvenile Aid Bureau marshaled a squad of 50 plainclothes and 15 policewomen in the hall. They're locked down. I guess they were expecting a riot. Yeah. Yeah. William Carter Murbriar, also known as Captain Noah, worked backstage as a chaplain for the Philadelphia police. He interviewed Elvis for his weekly radio show and was won over by the king of rock and roll's church boy charm. Afterwards, Captain Noah himself... Go ahead. I already knew this. Well, that's because we talked about it I on, knew this the <laughs> on another episode of Legends of Philadelphia, the Captain are Noah... Are you sure? I'm, 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 I'm hearing this for the first time. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> I've heard it in my life. <laughs> This is fascinating. <laughs> what, then, what happened then? What then? What happened? Afterwards, Captain Noah himself was mobbed by hysterical teenagers who gathered at the exit. He sternly condemned the quote idiotic parents unquote of the quote nervous and giggling girls end quote who brashly quote kissed the hand that shook the hand of Elvis quote. So I guess he came outside and he was and everyone was like, "Did you he meet him? Did you the, meet Elvis?" He and he was like, off. "Yes." Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like, Let me smell your hands. <laughs> Captain Noah gets all of Elvis's sloppy seconds. It's true. Oh, just cop on. just copy and paste the Captain Noah episode. I think it was a it was a better take. Pause this here. This anyway, so go listen to the Captain Noah episode, then come back. <laughs> no, no, no. Just just listen to that one episode instead. <laughs> back when we before we sold out. They have, they get worse as they go along. It's true. <laughs> the worst one so far uh, after the second show Carter, Captain Noah, released a statement to the Associated Press, quote even though the gesticulations of Elvis Presley are unquestionably suggestive and possibly immoral, the condemnation must lie with those who have made him a golden image, end quote so he blamed the kids not his fault not Elvis not Elvis' fault the kids, they did it it's always teenagers' fault now, here's the part I'm most interested in. Vendors reported a making poor turnout money. of Elvis. <laughs> making money. 
Vendors reported a kernel. Here's a kernel. Here's where the kernel flies. Unchecked <laughs> capitalism. Right up my alley. Vendors reported a poor turnout of Elvis's picture albums and scarves. Uh, they did only slightly better selling I Like Elvis buttons. Even buttons inscribed I Hate Elvis and the more succinct Elvis is a jerk weren't moving. <laughs> the crowds only wanted one thing, and that was to see Elvis in person. Not, not a merch crowd. Not a crowd for merch. They sold buttons saying, like, I love Elvis, but then they had to capitalize on the people that didn't like Elvis, they made I don't like Elvis buttons and then, and then made money off those people. Well, it just seems like they were like no one cared in Philadelphia about it at all. Well, guys were plotting to shave his head. You know what I mean? The, well, I guess I, I it's that, that's for there's an audience out there for this. No, so they didn't sell. People didn't show to the concert. People didn't buy the merch. I mean, it's just like all these stories we know about Elvis. It's like, but when he comes to Philly, it was like, eh. They must have already had him. The people they must have already had their I hate Elvis. Uh, yeah, they were like, we have Bill Haley. We don't need this. Bill Haley already sold me an I hate Elvis button. I don't need I don't need one of them. <laughs> <Nice. yeah. laughs> Just ask the, the waitress at the Melrose. <laughs> They're literally falling Lucille. out of her apron. Lucille. Lucille. The second night, April 6th, was almost a capacity crowd, but that brought its own problems. Four Villanova University students attended with plans to pelt the performer with eggs. Ugh. Lieutenant John Ford. The only, only kids worse than Penn students. <laughs> <laughs> Villa, no fun. Outer banks of the city. Meanwhile, all the temple kids were just there grooving, just being just real grooving. chill. Yep. Yep. Lieutenant John Ford of the Juvenile Aid Bureau said Presley was doing a number at 9:40 p.m. when a barrage of eggs sailed towards the stage. There were no direct hits. About five of the eggs splashed on the stage. One struck the gold-clad performer's guitar, which was on the floor. Elvis, mm -hmm. Elvis was like, you hit my guitar. And then his, like, his crew came out and were like, feverishly cleaning egg off of it um, on stage. I, Elvis, I'm sorry. I apologize for the city of Philadelphia. I'm sorry, King. I'm sorry. Sorry, King. I'm sorry. Your Majesty. <laughs> Your Majesty. Lieutenant Ford asked the spectators where the eggs had come from. Like, they stopped the concert, and they were like, Who, which one of you hooligans threw those eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Numerous fingers readily pointed at the four students. In the pocket of one, William Quinn, 20, of New York City, Ford said he found a still-unthrown egg. It was seized for evidence. Evidence. We can dust this egg. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're going to dust this egg mm -hmm. for Prince. <laughs> Quinn and all of his companions were from New York. William B. Oates, 21, of Brooklyn. James Stark, they 20, of from Philly. Exactly. Wow. It's always the same, same even in the 50s. Difficult. Same story. People come here. They, they act like assholes. We get the blame mm -hmm. for it, and then they leave. Mm -hmm. William B. Oates, 21, of Brooklyn. James Stark, 20, of Greenport. John Edit, 20, of they're, New York. And then, like I said, William Quinn of New York. They're big Brooklyn butts. They're big Brooklyn butts. Yep. We're sick of it. They were hustled out of the arena. Stop buying all the houses. <laughs> <laughs> they were here scouting. They're, they're here to buy your grandma's house. <laughs> the four boys were hustled out of the arena and to the 55th Pine Street Station. They were charged with disorderly conduct and had a hearing the next morning before Magistrate William Sabati. 
All denied that they threw an egg, although Quinn admitted that he carried an egg in his pocket, which the police found. Quinn said, quote, We don't like Elvis, but we went to see what he was like. He is repulsive. The egg was thrown from behind us. I believe it came from some Penn students. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't us. It was another school. Yeah, you just carry, you're carrying a loose egg on you. What's your egg policy? Get out of here. I always carry an egg with me, sir. <laughs> this is unrelated. <laughs> this? This? I'm weight training. I'm just trying to put on... I need the protein. I'm just trying to put on some extra weight. College kids are in trouble. I, I'm, I, I, I'm fascinated by... Um, people do this with wrestling shows, too, where it's like, I hate this show. I hate wrestling. I'm going to pay for it and go there and boo it. It's like, I hate Elvis so much. I'm going to give him my hard-earned money. And uh, it's like, yeah, hey, you showed you showed So him. many things like that. <laughs> I... I remember I was talking to like a comic book shop owner and he was telling me how many people hate like the Hulk. This is like years ago. And then like every week, like, oh, I hate it. All right, give it give, give me the, the copy. He goes, it was like give me another one. It's like <laughs> give me give me another one. Better be cut this week. He's like, if I was selling cheeseburgers, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be like <laughs> and it made you sick. <laughs> You'd be like, Oh, I hated that cheeseburger. Give me, give All right, give one me more. one. Like you wouldn't <laughs> what but there's certain things that you just like keep coming back for you that you hate. I don't know. I guess they I guess they were strangely attracted to and repulsed by Elvis and his music. And there are there is the push and pull of what society is telling these boys that they should be into or shouldn't be into. And Elvis is wearing eye makeup and his hair's all moosed and he's they're like they're like, I should hate this. I, I, but I, I secretly love it. So they waited. I mean, the concert began at nine o'clock and they waited until nine forty to throw the egg. This is making me feel things. <laughs> I mean, it, like I was the saying, show it's was almost to say you over. like something. Yeah, you got to love it pretty much. You got to love it a whole lot to hate it that much, I guess. And <laughs> to hate it, it's hard to tell someone you like something. They always want to tell you what they hate about it. Yeah. You know, even yeah. if they like it, they'll tell you they hate it. You know, it's it's <laughs> people have complicated feelings about things they like. A policeman at the 55th Street Station house had the final say in the affair. "Quote: The only thing I'm mad about is that they missed Elvis." End quote. Sounds like uh, that sounds like uh, what a cop would say. Yeah. From the stage, Presley called the egg throwers idiots and announced, "Quote: I'm ready for them anytime." End quote. <laughs> That's why this yeah. is why he started learning karate so he could duck the eggs. He could, <laughs> That's like, how he them. trained. That's how his sensei trained him. He would hurl <laughs> eggs at him. If you can, if you can dodge an egg. You can dodge anything. Mm. Yeah, you can dodge a shuriken. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Several months later, WFIL talked the ABC television network into a five-week trial for Bandstand commencing in August of 1957. It was renamed American Bandstand and became an immediate national hit. Uh, but later that year, Elvis was drafted, so he never got to appear on the show. Hmm. But he... He would have been. So it, it was the success of this event, like Dick Clark and the producers, the, the success of this event, they took to ABC from the affiliate WFIL, they took to the, to, the, to, the, uh, to the main station and they pitched the idea of taking their bandstand show national. They were like, look at, look at the pull we have. You know, we brought Elvis in. And uh, they were like, okay, we'll give you a shot. And uh, I guess with the understanding that Elvis would come back on the show, but he was, he was drafted. It's amazing how one little event can change, like, so many people's lives. Yeah. And not, like, famous people, just, like, you know, the common man. <laughs> the and, grips, uh, the electricians. 
Yeah, and Bandstand went on to was on the air for years after that. It stayed on television until 1989. Even it moved out to LA at some point, but it it stayed on air until 1989. So, but like I said, Elvis never formally appeared on any incarnation of Bandstand. Uh, but in early 1959, while stationed in Germany, he conversed with Dick Clark over the phone for an episode of American Bandstand. In the conversation, Dick mentioned that the annual American Bandstand popularity poll, the kids voted Elvis as the favorite male vocalist along with favorite record of the year for 1958. The show celebrated its second anniversary on ABC the following August with another phone call from Elvis on American Bandstand. So, you know, he did his best man, to show they just, ugh, Man, like, there's like, he's just at the exact age where, like, you're a young man, time to serve your country. I mean... <laughs> If we would have got drafted, we'd be dead. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would. I would have died in boot camp. I would have died. I was at boot camp. <laughs> I chipped on the barbed wire. I ate it. I, oh no, I ate the barbed wire. It's in my mouth. It's, it's gross. Mouth. They would have. They would have beat it's me gross. to death for not being able to make my bed. I would have been out in the you first be- week. <laughs> they beat you up the soaps. You're the. You're the weak link. I'm the weak link. I'm the Gomer pile. You're the weak link. You're the weak link. Uh, um, I'm the one that gets everybody act up. <laughs> you're the you get everybody ends up you but end up peeling potatoes i sabotage myself career. though yeah i sabotage myself dick clark kept audiences talking about elvis while he served overseas dick clark's third and final phone interview with elvis took place on january 8th 1960 presley's 25th birthday with elvis's discharge less than two months away the details were now out on presley's upcoming tv and movie deals Elvis didn't know exactly what his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, had planned, but he assured Clark that he'd be back in Philadelphia soon. Elvis would come back to Philadelphia, but not until the 1970s, where he enjoyed a much warmer welcome, but I guess that's a whole other episode. That's a whole So if our listeners, yeah, that's, I mean, we've already done an hour just on this one show, so if if the listeners are interested in it, we'll, we'll talk more about Elvis and Philly. Let us know. Leave us comments. And uh, yeah, he came back. Hey, well, in the all right, we'll, all right, I'll do it. Fine. <laughs> Caught in a trap. Yeah, so that's Elvis in Philadelphia in the 1950s, in 1957, before his service, before before Elvis goes to Hollywood, before Elvis goes to Vegas. So this is this is early Elvis. This is the, the Elvis stamp. they put on the, the stamp. stamp. Elvis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we can all agree, our least favorite Elvis. No, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> I like all the varieties of Elvis, but I do remember what it was. What it was such a big deal voting on the Elvis stamp and and being like putting a putting a you know a point on it. Is young Elvis the official Elvis or is old Elvis the official Elvis? When when we were kids, I in voted. The 90s? I voted old. I voted fat. I think I voted old too, just just to be a disruptor. I I like I I like what I like, you know. Rhinestones and jumpsuits. Rhinestones and jumpsuits. I just want to tell this one last story before we before we jump off. Years ago, there a movie came out called Bubba Hotep, and it is uh, starring uh, yes. Bruce Campbell, and he plays uh, Elvis. If uh, Elvis had faked his death and ended up in a, an old folks' home, and it's really funny, and I don't want to give and too Ozzie much of it Davis, away, yeah. but uh, Ozzy Davis is in it. It's the last movie he did, and uh, Trove bought it on DVD when that was still a thing, and he was like, it's great, you gotta watch it. And I was like, oh, I'd love to borrow it. And he came over to my house immediately to drop off the DVD, and along with that, he brought a gold sequence Elvis jumpsuit 
that he explained I had to wear while watching the movie in order to enjoy Bubba made it better to its fullest potential. You put that on? And, and, yeah, and I wore it. You put that on? I wore it. Yeah, he told me not to wear underwear either because there should be nothing separating me from the power <laughs> of the suit. I had to return it. You can't just... He made rental. you change in front of him? <laughs> and you did it? He put his hand over... Like he that. put his hand over his eye. I'm pr- his eyes. I'm pretty sure he didn't pee. I... What time though? I didn't have a DVD player. No. What time? <laughs> this is this is this is shameful. There's a certain way to experience certain films, and that's just one of them. It's no worse than when he made me wear a tuxedo after he let me borrow The Godfather. <laughs> okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about Young Elvis in Philly. Please check out our website www.southfelini.com. That's S O U T H F E L L I N I dot com for cool Philly-inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Fellini everywhere. Follow along and join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, get boosted, wash your hands, and don't get caught in a trap.